Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Hi, welcome to Solo BG. My name is Derek and we're here in another episode, one episode that I was looking forward to have which is uh, we will be having for tonight uh, Mr. Henry Audubon. He's the designer of a Space Park from Keymasters Game. It's uh, one of my favorite games. Actually, we had the episodes a couple of weeks ago. So if you haven't, you can go and check it out, and then you can jump into this interview, or you might as well stay here for the interview, and then you go and check it out the game. Also, before I introduce you, to, I introduce you I'm sorry, to Mr. Henry, let me say hi here to my friend Jonathan. Jonathan, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Have you been playing a lot? Um. A little bit. Play little bit. Games I got for Christmas. So. You're always playing, my friend. So now let me introduce you the man of the show. Let me let me give him a great introduction for the game. So you will join us to ride a rocket to extraordinary destinations across our galaxy, gather exotic crystals to further our understanding of what's out there. The truth is out there. Uh, earn exploration batches and prove yourself as the galaxy next great explorer in a space park. And space park is designed by Henry Audubon. Mr. Henry, how are you tonight? I'm a little over-caffeinated, but happy to be there and happy yeah. to be here. And yeah, the truth is out there. Uh, just yeah, keep exploring. Know, yeah, yeah. We need, to, we need to take that uh, phrase from the X-File and apply it to Space Park because uh, it really, when you're playing, it has that sensation of that feeling that you're exploring the space. But we will talk about the game in a little bit. So, Mr. Henry, first, did I, I pronounce your last name correctly? Audubon? Yeah, Audubon. That's right. Oh, my God. You see, in English 1.0, my friend. Here. So, uh, Henry, what can you tell us about about yourself, you know, how did you get into the design? And well, I was really interested in games as a young kid. I played a lot of Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons and different, uh, you know, video games and whatnot. And even as a kid, I remember just sketching in my notebook and fantasizing about different games that didn't exist. And then as I got a okay. little older, I started to get into hobby board games and actually brought Settlers of Catan with me to college, which was a big hit at my dorm and got more and more games from there. And actually in college, it was when I got the idea that maybe I could take a stab at designing some of these modern strategy games. Okay. So, so I got started trying and like most people, I mean, my early games were really bad, but then, you know, about 10 years later now, I've been, I've been uh, sticking with it and made some improvements. And now some of my games are starting to, to land out on the, on the shelves. So. Yeah, well, let, let me... T so, when on those days, if you had the idea of a space park, or the idea of space park was a little baby back on those times of college? Yeah. Yeah? Well, so, yeah. well space, park, space park hasn't existed for quite that long. Uh, the original design for space park dates back about four years ago, and actually, originally, it was not about exploring space or collecting crystals or anything. It was a game called Pirate Land, which was about a, a pirate-themed amusement park, and it was like... You know, you can go there and ride on pirate ships or launch the cannons or whatever. But it was a circular board, an island made of seven wedges and okay. three, three pirate ships kind of circling around the island. And that game, Pirate Land, I, I pitched out and, I, you know, I made sell sheets for it and all this stuff and pitched to different publishers. And actually, it was my older brother who um, lives in the same town as Keymaster Games and mentioned it to them at one of the Keymaster Games uh, prototype uh, game nights and so they contacted me and then we developed it together for over a year we worked on it 
And ultimately, they didn't want to move forward with the pirate theme, so we had to make some adjustments, and we landed on Space Park about riding rockets and enjoying the galaxy. So, well, that's great because you know for the theme, I know that well in the, in our podcast we we try to focus on uh, cooperative games and solo games or any competitive game that has a solo variant, either official or unofficial, created by fans, um, like in this case Space Park. But also, I have noticed that. One of the favorite themes of everybody out there is the space and, you know, interstellar and all, all that sci-fi uh, category, I guess. So I guess it's a, it's a great theme for, for the gaming, and it's, it's very well uh, adapted, the theme to the game. Well, it's tricky because it's, it's a great theme of science fiction and exploring space, but there's the possibility that you're just lost in the, in the mix because there's so many sci-fi games out there. So we really wanted to focus on a more peaceful vision of science fiction, also drawing on the aesthetics of really old-fashioned retro sci-fi, things like Flash Gordon and the Jetsons and that kind of pulp style of science fiction uh, artwork and aesthetics. So uh, we wanted a peaceful take on sci-fi, not one where you're blasting each other with lasers, but more just about exploration and riding rockets and having fun. Yeah. Um, So, you know, kind of talking about you know, where you had the original idea and it was a different theme. Um, were there any mechanisms once you knew that you were switching to the space theme that you added, um, like the robot and moving that around, or did you have something like that already built in there, or did you find that you're you know, coming up with more things once you had that theme narrowed down to the space theme? That's an interesting question. Most of the main elements of the game were present in the pirate version. For example, the robot was a pirate captain and instead of having to control the robot by having his controller basically you had the uh you were you were basically friends with the captain when you had the captain's parrot kind of the parrot would fly over and land on the shoulder of whatever player had the captain's favor currently so uh that's an example of just adapting one thing over from one theme to another but certainly there were some uh changes that were made when we went to uh space park from pirate land uh, one of them was just expanding what the badges could be, because in Pirate Land, they were really straightforward, just tickets or just like ways of gaining points, turn in some resources, gain points. And we wanted to kind of enrich the experience a little bit, introduce some engine building. And so we uh, introduced these little bit more complicated effects onto the onto the badge cards for the Space Park iteration. But yeah, for the most part, most of the um, elements were were present in the early design. And then, um, having played the game, um, you know, definitely plays quick. I don't feel like it was, you know, complicated to learn. So, kind of, you know, f- falls into, you know, kind of a fun, simple, streamlined game. I feel like. Did you have to cut any mechanisms, or um, was there anything that you initially had that you ended up taking out? That is my design style in a certain respect, is to keep things very small and only reluctantly add things to my design. So I'm just a very selective adder, not mm-hmm. somebody who uh, creates a large project and then edits down. I'm more just carefully introducing one thing at a time. So that's that's my my approach, just tends to lean, lead me toward these smaller, uh, easy-to-pick-up kind of games. And uh, early on, there were certainly some big changes. I mean, when when the game didn't exist as a physical prototype and I'm just having fun in my notebooks, I mean, certainly there were all kinds of things that I was experimenting with and a bunch of mechanics that 
got dropped. I mean, actually, just to go even further back, when I the very first time I got this idea for neutral kind of pieces orbiting around a circular board, I was thinking about um, setting the game on on Mars and having these big colonial dropships kind of orbiting around Mars, and you actually build things on top of the locations that the rockets are traveling to. And anyway, so it was a very different vision for what the game could be at the start. And certainly a lot of mechanics were were dropped in the early phases. But once things settled down, uh, uh-huh. it was more just about dialing it in and, and, and tweaking and less of dropping and, and adding whole new systems. Now, I would like to ask you, um, you know, the like I said on the episode, the game plays, uh, you know, fairly easy. I mean, even if for people that they're not into into board games it's a great game that you know can break the ice and you can easily teach them to 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 everybody you know but you know like in and the universe or in the uh, i would say better in the niche of gamers you know sometimes you it's very common and this it happens to all the gamers that i talk to that when people are at outside of the board game uh, i guess atmosphere when they when you mention to them that about board games you know they usually go with the most traditional and common games like scrabble uh, I don't know, Monopoly, you know, all those kinds of games. Um, sure. Now, it, it wasn't your idea at the beginning to make a game unique, different, that it will be in that uh, universe of gamers, but also easy to teach to literally anybody? Yeah, that was a goal for the game, was to make a game that really anybody could do pretty well at their first time playing, but also not leaning on dice and things like that to, to make yeah. that happen. Uh, it's okay. pretty easy to have a game where, you know, a, a kid or maybe an older person who doesn't play a lot of games, uh, these kind of players can't. It's easy to have a game where they can keep up and do OK when there's tons of randomness and swingy effects taking place. But in a more uh, streamlined, mostly deterministic kind of strategy game, it's it's a little bit tougher to do. So anyways, that was my uh, yeah, one of my main uh, challenges or goals in making Space Park. Now, one of the things that I really like from this game, and I was talking to Jonathan and also with Kelly when we played a few times, um, I really do like the solo mode of this game. And like I mentioned on the on the podcast episode about the game, usually games like this that you know that you need to reach a certain score or that even beating your own score doesn't attract to me personally as as a solo gamer. Um, but this game it does it because of the robot mechanic how differently works from playing competitive so to towards the so, versus the solo mode i'm sorry um so is the solo mode you always had the idea to be for the game to be able to play it solo or or it's something that came with the publisher and all that stuff well i actually wanted the player count to go in the opposite direction for a while and i was pushing for space park to be a game that's playable by five or six players and have it be almost like an accessible uh, party strategy game and have it be in that space of like something you could break out with a lot of people. And uh-huh. it was uh, Keymaster Games who, they weren't as excited about that direction, um, you know, at least for the base game of having five or yeah. six players, but they said, hey, maybe we can push down to one and have a solo mode. And this was actually pretty late in development uh, before our Kickstarter, but we had already been working on the game for quite a while by the time yeah. I started working on the solo mode. So... Uh, it was it was really a challenge. Um, you know, I had to figure out a way to introduce chaos into the system without other players doing it because but that's you did, really you did, you did pretty well. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great. Like how the like I said, how the robot changes your strategy. 
and and kind of gives you like that pushing towards the the time which is you're running out of cards on the deck and he just keep pushing you back whenever you're trying to accomplish you know any of the badges thanks i'm glad you enjoy it i mean a lot of it is the cards are doing a lot of work they're overloaded with a lot of different functions especially in the solo mode so they're your points they're also where you get your special abilities from they're also the timer for the game and they're also determining how the robot moves and whether the robot moves the rocket so it's just uh really leaning on the card deck to do a lot of things all at once that that's how that got done so you think it was it was harder to de design uh the solo mode mechanic versus the competitive one well <laughs> it's, hard, it's, it's, it's hard to say, honestly, which was which was harder. I, I will say that I was really lost at the start of the solo mode. I didn't know how, you know, what what the solo mode could be. What what is this mode about? And then once I kind of got the idea that oh, you're you're going up against Scout the robot, and that's the that's the kind of thematic backdrop for this solo mode. All of a sudden, things became easier after I got the basic story of what was happening in place. Then I you know, some of the mechanics began to fall, fall in place, so. Another thing that I would like to mention is the the components, actually, we were talking about that, Jonathan. The component has a, uh, you know, I, I, well, not only me, like a lot of players, they categorize the games, like, uh, you know, epic games, uh, small games, and for this game that it's, the, it's considerable, it's considerably one of a small game, uh, the components are great, actually. The stones that you get, uh, and uh, the rockets, mainly the miniatures, are great. The idea of the rockets and the design of the rockets, I know uh, the design, it's, it was in charge of Orlin um, Coulter. Uh, well, they were the, illustrated, the illustrators, but Maddox Schuller was the, the graphic design. Did, 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 did you influence, it was, you know, did you help in anything with the, with the design of the rockets and all that stuff and the miniatures? Or do you want it to have like more like a standees or? It was your idea, the, all these components, kind of? You took a part well, of it? Well, yeah. Once we landed on Space Park as being the theme, I, I did want there to be big, chunky rockets that you could right. grab. I, I could imagine a kid reaching out with a small hand and like grabbing a, a big rocket on the board and moving it. And I wanted that toy factor for the game. So I definitely did want uh, big old rockets to be a part of the game, but... Really, um, you know, Maddox and and Brian Miller, our artist, and and uh, you know, just they did most of the uh, the design work, uh, graphically speaking, in terms of designing how the rocket looks and you know how the board looks and all that stuff. They asked for my opinion just to be nice, but really, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're the ones uh, doing most of that work. So. No, they did a great job. I mean, I'm pretty sure you with them. It's it's one of the rockets is the first thing that you know out of the game it's it's great i remember when i was walking on Gen Con in 2018 um actually you and i jonathan we, were, we passed through their booth uh of key masters and one of the things that got my attention right away was the the rockets <laughs> they look pretty cool i remember they were painted uh but also i mean it's great because in the game the size of the miniatures it allows you to even if you are not a pro painter or anything like that it will be easier i guess for anybody to try to you know paint the rockets and all that stuff because, like you said, they're chunky, so it helps. Now, Jonathan, you have some questions also for Henry here. Yeah, so as, as a designer, um, I'm just kind of curious um, with the publishing process, you know, doing kicks, you know, going like a Kickstarter route versus um, working with a publisher and doing a more 
um, the traditional way? Like in your experiences, are there um, a lot of differences either way, or do you um, yourself have a preference on how you would prefer a game to be published? Well, I prefer, at least at this stage of my career, to work with a publisher who is going to handle all of the other things for me. Because really, I'm I'm primarily interested in, in game design and like crafting the rules and, and the mechanics and whatnot. So all of the other things that a, a publisher uh, does to make a game happen, I'm really just thankful to have their assistance on those fronts. So anyways, I, I prefer working with, you know, with publishers and... R- whether or not they choose to take the car, uh, the project on the Kickstarter, I kind of leave it up to them. Really, it's it's okay. I'm I'm fine uh, either way. Uh, if there's a Kickstarter campaign, you know, I'll, I'll get involved and help out a little bit. But for the most part, that's about them and how they uh, think the game will be best received, and you know what they what their goals are in terms of pre-sales and and marketing and and what kind of stretch goals they have in mind and and all that. But yeah, honestly, I am interested in self-publishing some of my own work probably uh later like once i'm you know a grizzled veteran of this industry then maybe i'll (laughs) look into doing some of that but not for now um and then i know earlier in the podcast you mentioned that um you've got some um other things coming up and um i know when we were talking earlier too that you have some other things with keymaster games is there anything that you can talk about or any you know upcoming projects that you're looking forward to definitely well there's a project called parks that I'm doing, it's a collaboration with Keymaster Games and also a poster illustration company called 59 Parks. 59 Parks does uh, illustrated posters for the national parks of the United States. And oh, okay. They, they uh, wanted to do a collaboration with Keymaster Games. They love Keymaster's, uh, pr- you know, production and great graphic design. And they said, hey, you know, use all of our all of our great art to make a game. And so they invited me to uh, be the the designer on that project. And I'm really excited about that collaboration. So we're bringing Parks to Kickstarter on January 29th, so just two weeks from from when we're recording this. Yeah, hopefully uh, we will have the the show on air before the Kickstarter, or, or probably about a few days after. But yeah, so that one, I was that was my question. So the Kickstarter is released on January 29th. Now the mechanics of the can you tell us more a little bit that that game Parks? Um, you know, it's similar to Space Park or what should we expect from that game? I know it's probably a little bit of a spoiler alert, but you know, you know, in a way, by the time that it's gonna be a Kickstarter, which is published probably when this episode will be on air, you know, listeners can have an idea of what they're looking for on, on parts. Yeah, I would say there is definitely a family resemblance between Space Park and Parks. I mean, they're both park games after all, so uh, they are complementary, I would say, uh, but very, very different in some important respects. Whereas, you know, in Space Park, you've got these neutral pieces orbiting around a circular board. Uh, parks is all about explore, exploring the national parks and hiking down a trail. And so in Parks, instead of going around in a circle, it's more like each player has their own hiker meeples and they're traveling down a down a trail that is ultimately a, a line of tiles that gets randomized. So... Oh, uh, yeah, you you take turns moving your hikers down trail until all all hikers have arrived at the end, and that marks the end of a season. And hikers have a chance to relight their campfires and uh, acquire new gear and visit visit parks and take photographs and fill their canteens and all that kind of thing. We we wanted to make a game that's really about hiking and feeling immersed in in nature. But so there's this, there's some similarities uh, between Space Park and Parks, but 
you know, we really do hope that people who enjoyed Space Park will, will really find something fresh uh, to enjoy in, in parks. So that's our goal. I'm pretty sure the game will be great. Yes, it's great was uh, Space Park. And I'm looking forward to try it personally. Now, is there any, uh, what is the future of a Space Park? Like, I know it's, it's fairly new. Uh, it just came out. Well, actually, I knew about the game on Gen Con. So it, I'm pretty sure it came out last year. Um, but um, what is what is next for Space Park? Like, is, is there any expansion on, on progress? Or at least are you trying to, you know, figure something out? Or is it just going to try to keep it fresh as it is? I would love to do more with Space Park. I think it's too early to tell whether there will be okay. more Space Park content coming out. I mean, it, the game is is doing fairly well and people are enjoying it. So uh, I hope that there will be a Space Park expansion one day. And actually, I've got uh, some <laughs> some content lined up for that if, if it ever happens. So so can, I, I'm 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 ready to make it happen if uh, everyone can, can, involved. Can you share with us a little bit of those ideas, or it's like the, the full disclosure? <laughs> I cannot share anything right okay, now. I have to keep fine, it keep it uh, secretive, like like a mysterious dark planet out there well, in space. I'm pretty sure when the time comes, you will you will uh, join us in Solo BG House. In that way, we can share it with all the listeners. Once the I'd time comes, I'd love to come back. I'll give you guys the exclusive. Yeah. So now uh, I guess um, that we you know we we explain like I said on the episode Space Park, and now that you talk uh, talk us about the Space Park. Um, so I'm curious, like, do you have any, where is your, do you have any designers that you can find as an inspirations or, or if you have favorite designers, I mean, of course, talking about board games or any favorite games that you like to play, you mentioned that on your college years, you bring Cells of Catan and it was like a big hit over there, but are you currently playing other games that you're really enjoying or, you know, can you tell us about a little bit of, uh, about that or do you have a gaming group that you play with? You know, surprisingly, I don't play as many uh, board games as you might expect in terms of, like, the number of different games. I mean, I I have a few roommates I'm living with currently, and, like, we played, you know, Forbidden Island the other night, and we, we keep it pretty pretty simple and casual. I'm not really, uh, you know, playing a lot of the, the brand new releases at the moment. Yeah. But, um, you know, honestly, in terms of great designers, I mean, or designers that I draw inspiration from, that, that's a tough question because... I try to keep a certain distance between me and any like one person's style out there. You know, I want to okay. be inspired by a lot of different people. There's so many uh, designers that I respect. I mean, obviously names like Bruno Cathala and you know Reiner Kinesia and Richard Garfield and these kind of titans of our of our uh, design industry. It's yeah. like they they come to mind as inspirations. But you know, I also spend a lot of time playing video games, and certain uh, independent video game developers uh, have inspired oh, okay. me. Uh, for example, Derek Yu, who designed a game called Spelunky. I'm a big fan of that uh, video game. Also, okay. uh, Edmund McMillan, who just uh, who did Super Meat Boy and that stuff back in the uh, in the day a few years ago, has now just entered the board game space and done the Binding of Isaac uh, board game, which I just played a couple weeks ago after I got my Kickstarter copy. So that's probably the most recent new game that that I played. Yeah, actually, um, you were going to ask Jonathan about the game, about the game, right? Well, yeah. Um, do you think, you know, having more of that video game background, um, I mean, I feel like when we saw Space Park, it, you know, it was kind of something new that we haven't really seen much of. You know, like you said, you don't want to, you know, get too close to any other designer and kind of their styles. Do you think that video game background gives you kind of a different perspective than some other designers that don't have that? 
Uh, that's interesting whether it's coming from the video game uh, background or not. I, I think for me, what has been most useful is, um, you know, in college, I studied a lot of math and, and philosophy and logic and topics like that that are very uh, involved with like thinking through the properties of like formal systems and uh, things of that kind that then that translate for me pretty well into thinking about games and so for me, I think that's where a lot of my style might come from is is using uh, those tools like from from math, like, uh, you know, the tools you learn to do like rigorous deductive proofs or um, trying to find counterexamples to something by testing extreme cases or all these different kind of strategies and ways of thinking uh, that come from mathematics or other kind of adjacent fields, uh, I find really useful in designing games. And now my video game background, though, might have some uh, effect also by osmosis, but I'm not sure what it is exactly. So good question. <laughs> hey, some, some, sometimes things work by osmosis, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very common, actually, that now that you mentioned it. Like what I would like to know, you know, it would be interesting to know your opinion. Like a, a lot of in the recent times, there are a, a lot of designers that are making a lot of board games based on video games. Mm -hmm. or And even if they don't, own the licenses they do something very similar to what a video game was for example i can mention one uh, that it comes to my mind that it's a very good game uh, street masters um it's literally the inspiration you can tell it come from street uh, street fighter right from the arcade game times and right. they did a pretty good job in my opinion uh, but what do you think about uh, about that like the, the video game industry now or the license at least coming into the board games I think it's probably a good thing more than just video games. I mean, I'd love to see more, um, yeah, more, more licenses get brought into board games and also see more things going the other direction of original board game IPs getting picked up for other forms of media. I mean, we all saw that happen with mice and mystics getting picked up for, uh, some sort of movie deal. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Recently. So yeah, no, I'm all for that kind of cross pollination of, you know, different creative industries, uh, collaborating and sending one idea from here to there. I mean, yeah, it's it's great. Because I actually would like to to ask you I, also. I always ask this to the people that I uh, that we interview about the because there's always a lot of controversy on the Facebook groups about games that they're based on app or that they use the app as a guide for the games. Like I don't know, like Manchester Madness that you know the DM right. is the app. Or like the first one that started, one of the first ones that started was XCOM, the board game, which also you have the app and it will, it's telling you what to do or the first Martians or anyway. There's a lot of games that uh, they're having the app now. Recently, Imperial Assault last year from Fantasy Flight brought the app and that way you can play it cooperative and solo. So what is your opinion on, on games bringing apps? And the reason why I'm asking is because a lot of gamers, sometimes I read comments or read uh, posts that they mentioned that it doesn't feel like a board game anymore because now you're bringing this uh, app, I guess, or this aspect of a video game that it tells you what to do. What do you think about that mechanics? Do, do you see yourself probably in the future making a game uh, with the base, you know, with the app support or, or what are your thoughts? That's really an interesting issue. I am all for it, actually. I love people exploring the boundary between video games and board games, which to me, I mean, the distinction there has less to do with the underlying game itself, but more about like how the game is presented and what, what form it takes. I mean, in a board game, uh, obviously things are made out of 
paper and plastic. And crucially, the players playing the game have to be the ones enforcing the rules of the game system versus a video game where it's maybe uh, built in, in you know, computer software and that software is then what is going to be enforcing the rules of the game, uh, relieving the players of any duty of that kind. It's like it's rare to see a video game where a player is expected to enforce some aspect of the rules. Like normally the, uh, the video game handles it for you. So anyways, I think that's the feeling that maybe some uh, board game players are, are having when they play these app-driven games. It's like, well, all of a sudden we're not uh, enforcing all the rules of the game. And also, you know, maybe they are playing board games in the first place to get away from screens or who, who knows what else, why else it might bother them to be playing an app-driven game. But uh, yeah, I think it's interesting, uh, those hybrid style games. I do think it, it sidesteps the primary uh, problem or the primary challenge of board game design, which is creating interesting, uh, engaging, challenging systems that can all be done with the players uh, enforcing the rules. Uh, that, that's really uh, the main the main problem of, of game design and, and the, or board game design. And those hybrid games do sidestep it in a certain way. I mean, there, there's a part of me that thinks, well, if I'm trying to create a solo mode, let's say, it'd be so easy to have like an app that, that just generates uh, encounters and problems for the player to deal with. But um, to do it with existing components or just uh, normal board game components is a little bit little bit harder but anyways all that is just to say i'm i'm all for other people exploring it i don't know that it's what i'm focused on right now Uh, i don't i certainly don't have anything in the works but yeah i mean i want to see the barrier between board games and video games break down uh more like i want to see the cultures come together uh the designers of the different worlds like kind of starting to communicate and collaborate and share ideas with each other Mm -hmm. and yeah, I think right now the cultures of video gaming and board gaming are t- are too separated. So these kind of app-driven uh, board games, I think, are really cool. And actually, I just played a Clank in Space uh, solo not too long ago, and it has an app that uh, you know runs the runs the game more or less for you. So and I enjoyed it. So I think it's a cool it's a cool space. I'm for it. Yeah, I think I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, the games that are driven by app usually, at least in in our experience as a game as a board gaming group that we like to play cooperative or we also play solo. Um, it helps a lot and it usually improves the game. Um, you know, like you said, it, it's, it's hopefully it will keep growing in that way that the boundaries get crossed and, you know, at some point we mix both. Um, so anyway, uh, you, uh, where, where are you going to be, Henry, on the next, in this year? Like where conventions are you going to be in? Are you looking forward to be on the Gen Con? Um, or where, where the fans will be able to, you know, to take a selfie with you and know about, more about your game. Yeah, if you'd like to catch a selfie with me, I'll uh, definitely be at Gen Con, also be at PAX Unplugged uh, toward the end okay. of the year. I've been to the last uh, two of those and really enjoyed them, so I recommend PAX Unplugged. Okay. Uh, I'll also probably be at some smaller conventions like Proto ATL for uh, designers in the Atlanta area. Recommend okay. that. Um, but no, no other conventions on the schedule yet. But Gen Con for sure and PAX Unplugged. All right. And where where the people can follow you on Twitter and Facebook? Can you share your address in that way we can all give it a like? Please, I'd I love that. Come uh, I need your I need your thumbs to give me lots of thumbs up. But uh I'm basically Henry Audubon everywhere on your okay. favorite favorite social media channel uh, channels. So at Henry Audubon on Instagram, uh, Twitter, 
yeah, I'm Henry Audubon on, on Facebook. If you want to reach out to me there, uh, yeah, that's, that's where you All can right. find me. So, you know, in that way, uh, you can know more about Space Park. You can listen to the episode of Space Park as well, like I mentioned before. And uh, you can follow, please follow Henry Audubon in that way. You can get had the earlier spoilers about uh, parks that is coming on in January 29 or probably, I don't know, depends on when this episode is on air. Probably was uh, live two days ago, one day ago, probably today. But uh, check it out, Parks on Kickstarter. Check it out, Space Park. It's a must-have. I mentioned it on the episode. It's a must-have for even for solo gamers. It's great. The mechanics are great. Henry, thank you so much for being with us tonight in the in the show at Solo BG. And we're looking forward to talk to you again into, you know, once the time comes to talk about Parks and and keep knowing about your, your future projects because, honestly, um, it, this, you did a great job with Space Park. It plays amazing, plays smooth. Um, some of our friends call it very abstract, but in a, in a very good way. Uh, the art is great, but mainly the, for me, I will, I will give thumbs up because of the mechanics of, of the scout mainly. I love it. It's just changed your game. So you did a great job, and thank you so much for being with us. Derek and Jonathan, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'll come back anytime. And we'll be at Gen Con, so we'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll hunt you down at hopefully at a Keymaster Games booth and uh, talk to you there as well. That'll be great. I'll look let's forward see, to it. Let's see if you can beat me on Space Park by then. I will have a lot of training. So <laughs> I'm, actually not, I'm actually not that good, so don't train yeah, okay. too hard. Well, you need to start training, my friend, because <laughs> in, on August we have a date of Space Parks. So anyway, guys, this was Henry Audubon here on Solo BG. Thank you so much. Please follow, follow him on the social media that he mentioned already. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SoloBG Podcast. If you're hearing through Spotify, check it out on iTunes too. And if you're hearing in iTunes, please, uh, you know, rate, give it a five stars and write whatever you want. Any questions that you have or any critics that you have, we're, they're always welcome. Thank you so much. And remember, for victory, go tell your friends. Till next time. See you through the speaker and at the tabletop.